welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about campaign length. Are we getting too much game in our game these days? Who could ever play through all these campaigns? Is there a sweet spot in length that would let us feel like we're getting our money's worth but not overwhelm us with content? With Kickstarter and stretch goals, probably not. We'll talk about it. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and the Gift of Games in Grace Lake. Also, a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. I am not 100% recovered from pneumonia, but I am going to do more talking this time. <laughs> I just might use quieter voices. So don't enrage me. I don't make no promises. <laughs> <laughs> How are your guys' weeks? Good. Good. It was um, quite a marathon on DTN's Kickstarter this week without you. There were lots and lots and lots of games. And apparently it uh, really got me in the way of thinking of this is like DTN because now I'm like reading like I can stop and do a different take. <laughs> so I always that intro. I was yeah. like, oh, I messed that up. I better go back. Nope. I got to just keep going. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> There's no editing here. Lack I don't have the of time, editing. The <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do T do TDN. Uh, I can't talk tonight. This is gonna make a great podcast. <laughs> but um, I did take out all 13 statistics, put those down, so all the names and links and pledge levels, and then I wrote up the descriptions for seven of them and made Corey do the other six. Um, so even though I wasn't on the air. You I were still pulling your weight. No worries. <laughs> no complaints here. Yeah. And then Sydney's been out of town since Friday morning. So I've been doing the solo dadding thing. Um, her parents helped out this weekend, come, came and took Zachary for actually Saturday and Sunday afternoon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. If you want to take him, I'm not going to argue. So <laughs> I've been painting the basement with pneumonia, which sounds like a isn't great idea. idea. Yeah. Physical activity um, I, plus fumes. Great. I've been doing it really slowly <laughs> and with the windows open and wearing a mask. And I'm like, this is going to take a while. But it's kind of cool to get sections done. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. And oh, I haven't actually touched any of the trim. But from a distance, it still looks pretty good. So that's that's where I'm at with the basement thing right now. Uh, it should be done anytime, like in the next week and a half, two weeks, it should be completely done. And then I can move into it and live in the basement. The basement. Wait a minute. You yeah. can move into the basement? I can move <laughs> into can the move basement. Back into your mom's basement? Chris is going to live in his own basement. The rest of the house is for the rest of his family. And he's just the troll that lives in the dungeon down below. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm going to regret not putting a bathroom down there. But <laughs> just, I could not justify the cost. I couldn't. I just couldn't. You'll get your stairs in that way. I will. I am putting a mini fridge down there, which will definitely make sure I get the stairs in. But um, I'm getting my I'm mini fridge gonna... for my porch because it was warm enough outside today that my drinks aren't cold anymore. Man. <laughs> I know. It was almost, what, 50 or 60 degrees? It was like 60 degrees. It was beautiful. It, it was 60 degrees downtown. Yeah. Yeah. It was so. a lovely day. I spent a lot of it outside. And then I came inside and was like, oh, I probably should have put on sunscreen. But we seem to have uh, survived unscathed. But you forget about those yeah. things in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm looking forward to the warmer weather for sure. I, I've i been doing a lot of stuff 
with the basement, like we have this huge dumpster in our driveway. So I've been like throwing away all this big stuff that I haven't been able to throw away easily before. And yeah, my garage is looking cleaner now that it's a little warm and I can just like, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. I haven't thrown away the broken snowblower yet because I literally cannot lift it. But <laughs> that's the next thing on my list. It's How heavy is big. that thing? Um, It's probably like 60 pounds. But the problem is it's just an incredibly awkward piece of thing. Like, it's mm. just all blade. So it's well, not we'll the easiest thing. You and we'll make the 70 pound old sword. Do it with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a big mess. Um, but otherwise, like, I've, I've gotten a lot done. Spring cleaning this year is is a real thing. So I'm looking forward to being healthier so I can do more things longer. But at a certain point, I'm like, oh, I just need a nap. Like, that's how it really hits is like, I'm just not getting enough oxygen. So I'm just like, oh, I'm really, really tired. I'm going to lay down for an hour. Then I wake up and I'm I'm good again. So but that's my solo dadding. Sydney's back tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it <laughs> on a number of levels. Um, but nah, the kids have been pretty easy. And just before we started recording, uh, Becca woke up and decided that she was cranky and hungry I fed her a bottle and she's already back to sleep. So I will just say this and I'm knocking on, I don't have any real wood. So I'll just knock on something, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my kids are easy. They just, I'm like, it's bedtime. And they say, okay. And they go to sleep. So good times. All right. Let's talk about a topic. This was sort of a last minute thing. We're not going to talk about Beats our 2021 topics. giveaway. No, I just put that in the list. I'll talk we'll about save it. Save it for the end. While, but. All right. Yeah. Just know that if, it exists. If you don't know, Stick around to the end. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you don't know about our 2021 giveaway, um, yeah. Too late. Keep listening. Keep Everything listening. Everything's going to figure it out. <laughs> also, you can look at the show notes and all the information's there. Um, but if you've sent us an entry, you are entered. I think we're going to do another drawing next week or the week after. Um, it depends literally on my basement because I want to add a few more games to the list. Um, so it's probably going to be the week after. I'm just going to say the week after. So, um, but yeah, email me feedback at tabletopgame.com if you want to enter the 2021 giveaway and you haven't already. Um, this is a cancel out thing. So if you email me twice, I get annoyed and I just delete your name completely. So just don't do that. <laughs> Cheater. Cheater. That's what I'm saying. Now, that would not happen, but you don't need to email me more than once. Um, all right, so this topic was, I was sick all week, and then Kitty offered to do a topic today, which was going to be just her and Fletcher talking about me, and I'm like, no, 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 I'll come up with something. Give me a second. <laughs> and then I looked on my front porch, and I saw the Solomon Kane Kickstarter had arrived, and then I opened up that box. It was huge, and I'm like, oh, I must have got the all-in again. And I opened up the box, and I pulled out these two giant boxes, and no, that was just the base game. I did not get the all in. Thank God. And then I'm like, okay, we need to talk about this Kickstarter. <laughs> and just games in general. We need to talk about the amount of content you're giving me. Because I now have four games sitting on my table that I don't want to start. Because there's so much content there that I know once I start, I won't like be able to play anything else. Because then I'll be committed. And so that's what we we're talking about today is... The length of these campaign games or legacy games, or in this regard, they're they're the same thing. Um, 
And are they too long? Like, are we, do we, do we just have a bunch of content in a box for the sake of having content in a box? Or should we want to have a more focused story? And I want to really start with something like Pandemic Legacy, the one that sort of started it all, for all intents and purposes, started it all. Um, that wasn't a long campaign. Why did everything else have to like quadruple? So I think it's because there were a lot of complaints. I guess not complaints, but concerns. There, there were. Complaints and concerns that it wasn't replayable and it's what, like a $60 game that you can only play at most 24 times. And if you've played it 24 times, it means you were really bad at it. <laughs> really bad at it. <laughs> if, if you if you played it 24 times, then you should probably have just buy it again and try again. <laughs> um, and I don't think it was a $60 game. Um, Pandemic... Legacy season one. I'm pretty sure it retails for a hundred dollars or eighty dollars. Eighty dollars, huh? Yeah. Now you can get it on Amazon right now at sixty four dollars, and it's always been able to. You've always been able to get it in the sixty dollar range, but the retail for it is eighty dollars. MSRP. Which is <laughs> MSRP. Um, which is a lot for a game at the time that was saying, "Hey, you get to play this once, and then you put it back in the box." Or don't put it in the box. It doesn't matter because you already ripped out a bunch of cards and <laughs> put stickers all over everything and mark stuff. have a unique stuff. map and stuff that you can continue to play. Like the game is over, but now you have like a version of Pandemic in, that you, no, nope, not in season not one. Not with season one of Pandemic Legacy oh. and a lot of games since then. The legacy style games have instead of just ending, incorporated the, now you have your unique version of the game you get to play. So Betrayal Legacy is like that, and um, Charterstone, Charterstone was probably one of the earlier ones that did that, where you were making a game that you could play over and over. Rado has a modification for Pandemic Legacy Season 0, where once you get to the end of that, you can keep playing it over and over. But as written... It also, all the Pandemic Legacy games end when you get to the end, which I'm happy for. I liked. I liked that we could actually finish the game and have a story and an ending. Unlike Gloomhaven, where I played over 60 scenarios, over 200 hours of gameplay, and I still never finished the campaign. And the story's not that compelling. The gameplay is good enough to keep you wanting to play, but it's just like, I don't know how the story ends. I don't even know what the story is. But I still, I mean, <laughs> at the time, I probably knew what the story was, but it's been a couple of years since I stopped playing. And I don't know that I can ever get back to it because I don't know where it was left off because it's so long and there was such a commitment. And once we lost one of our members, we weren't able to finish it. So it's, it's, those are kind of like the spectrum that I'm talking about, right? Pandemic legacy. And actually, there are some that fall on the shorter side, even shorter than pandemic legacy. Um, but the Gloomhaven sides, I don't want that much content anymore. I just <laughs> don't. Stop it. So I think this is a, I mean, it's not a very good show topic if I just say this. It's, I think it comes down to personal preference. I think there are some people mm -mm. who play games for different reasons than you do or I do. And we already talked today about how we have different styles of games that we like to play. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, you should join us in our live audience. Um, but I think everyone kind of has different styles and like you are very much cult of the new and maybe not now as much as you used to be, but you used to get a game, play it once and 
be happy with that and move on to the next thing. And you do that over and over and over again. And that was how you enjoyed games. Now, somebody who's coming from, I have 10 games in my collection and I play those games over and over and over and over again. And I'm looking at when I buy a game, I'm going to play it at least 20 times. I'm going to pull this out weekly at my game night, and this is going to be what I play for a while. And if I'm bringing something new into my connect collection, then it better be good. It better pull its weight. Somebody who's coming from that perspective, looking at these games that you have a finite number of plays on, it's much harder to justify the expense for what you're getting. You're getting only a certain number of plays. And now, from my experience playing Pandemic Legacy Season 1, I loved it. It was so much fun. It was such a unique experience. And if you look at it more along the lines of something like an escape room, if you go to an escape room in person, that's going to cost you, what, like $30 a person, depending on where you are? Sure. You know, this is more akin to that experience than it is to just a board game. It is something that is, you get involved in it. You get like emotionally sucked into the story that you are telling. And I think that the success of that story you're telling feel the people have been looking so long for kind of an RPG feel without a DM that really this kind of falls into that perfect sweet spot. People Though the complaint of like, oh, I didn't get enough plays out of this. Now they're just throwing more and more and more content in these things because you'll get your money's worth. But like, are they sacrificing quality for quantity? Fletcher, any thoughts on this? (laughs) Um, uh, So I agree with Kitty. Like, I think some of it is like the value proposition. Like, you're going to get 100 hours of gameplay from this you know, legacy or campaign style game. So when you're just like comparing specs on a sheet, it's like, oh, well, this one only gives me like 40 hours, but this one will give me a hundred hours. Um, yeah. I mean, you might like the game with 40 hours more because you like the story more or whatever. Those kind of like soft things are hard to quantify. So it's just like pure value proposition on that, on that end. Um, I think also that kind of like video games too, you might build up and get a, larger market or larger mind share because it's like oh this is like a really this is going to be a really epic game um so you might not be necessarily sacrificing anything except time right and and also um you know it's just risky it's risky to put in three or four or five years developing a game that then may not sell very well even though the artwork is good the story is good the gameplay is good but for whatever reason, the game just didn't sell well, or maybe it was just priced too expensively. Um, so, as a game designer, you're just you're, you're, it's more risky. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And now, I don't think I'm not really talking value prop. Um, sure, having more content in the box if you want to go hours per dollar. Yeah, not that. That's just math to me. But that's my problem. Is the math doesn't. Like you were talking about that soft evaluation, right? Mm-hmm. Having a hundred hours in the box is not that great if it's a hundred mediocre hours. Having twenty hours in the box is amazing 
if those are 20 amazing hours. And what I'm finding, because, and I also agree, you guys aren't buying the level, the number of games that I'm buying. So you're not running into a situation where I have, you know, you have, we'll just stick with what I literally have on my kitchen table right now, four epic long campaign games. Now, we'll get into the details. They are not the same thing. They are, they, the way they approach the content is different. And I think that matters. But when I'm looking at these, I'm getting zero value out of them because <laughs> I am intimidated to start any of them. And um, John mentioned earlier, is it a function of the podcast that I need shorter playable games? And not really. Um, now, it's easier for me to get shorter games to the table. It just needs it, a longer day. I just need a longer day. That, that, that would just solve the problem. Double the hours, I'd be good. It's easier for me to get a small game to the table to try it out. Like, you know, as soon as Canvas showed up, we played it because mm-hmm. there was it was a, just a normal, you know, any standard board game where it's just like, you know, open play done. Any of those games I can get to the table anytime I want. The longer ones are the trickier ones, though, because those ones are the ones where, you know, I played Blood Rage or Bloodborne, open it up, play through the tutorial, said, this is awesome. I like this game. I want to keep playing it. But... If I do that, I'm going to have to commit two, and in that case, only three games. Because the way that that game is set up is there's chapter, I think it's chapters, and then each chapter has three scenarios, or it could be stories, and each story has three chapters, or something along those lines. Which is kind of a sweet spot of, just play this game three times in a row, you'll get your story, and then the next story is unrelated, you can play them in any order. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. I just need to commit to doing this and for some reason even that length and a lot of it has to do with having two small kids but even that length is a bit like i'm gonna have to set this game up and play it three times or play it all at once and play through all those times or maybe i can get sydney to play it but maybe she's not interested in it so then i get her to play the first one but then it stops and i don't have the same person to play the second or third one with right so there's all kinds of reasons why and these could just be in my head. This is why I'm spewing it out into the podcast universe. <laughs> There's all kinds of reasons that it stop me from playing these games strictly because of the content. Unlike something like Cthulhu Death May Die, which I was very annoyed wasn't a campaign game, but the standalone scenario aspect of it means I can set it up anytime, anywhere without a problem. And Kitty, to your point, I don't think that you can actually, like, say you were loved Gloomhaven. Theoretical, Kitty loves Gloomhaven. And you played halfway <laughs> through the campaign. If your game group suddenly split up, someone moved too far away where you couldn't play, it doesn't matter that that's your one game because you only have seven games in your collection. You're still not playing it anymore because now that group I is mean, invested. That's that's like my scenario. Like I don't own Gloomhaven. One of my friends does. And then the pandemic hit. And <laughs> right. that was like the game that we would get together and play. And now we can't do that. And eventually, when this is over, we'll probably start playing it again. But it's been over a year yeah. since we've since we've played. I'm going to give. I'm going to give better than even. I don't know if that makes any sense. I will say that there is a high probability that someone in your gaming group says, "Why don't we just start over?" <laughs> yeah, but then you might. We'll probably need to buy another uh, copy at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's Frosthaven will be out. Then you just like throw Gloomhaven to the side and get Frosthaven and start playing that. I just, it's just that tricky with these long content games. That is something about these games, though, is it's not just that 
the games themselves, there's so much content to them. And like, what is a good amount of content? It's you have to play it with the same people, really. Yeah, there's mechanisms that allow new players to come in and people to leave. But I know you started Gloomhaven without me. And that was it. I wasn't going to play Gloomhaven yeah. now. That I don't want to come in halfway through. I don't know the story. And so you need to hear, like, the, the thing about these games that matters is the story. That's, at least in part, what draws you into them. You know, Pandemic exists on its own, aside from Pandemic Legacy. I would much rather play Pandemic Legacy because of the story. That's what draws you in. But you need to be there from the start to the finish. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. You're just, you're missing out on a key aspect of the game. And so the more hours you have of content, the more hours you need to spend with like the exact same group of people trying to get together. So you end up playing it with just like your most reliable game group, which oftentimes is like just you and your spouse. Or, you know, when we lived in the building, it was super easy for us to get together because we literally walked down a set of stairs. But now trying to take on one of these games with you, I have to drive an hour and a half maybe depending on the weather and traffic, to get up there before we even get to sit down and then start playing these games, that's, like, yeah. crazy. And to commit to doing yeah. that a hundred times in a row or whatever it is, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah, I used to play Arcadia Quest um, with... Well, Sydney and I used to play with some of her friends from work, and they would come up and we would play basically two marathon sessions of Arcadia Quest, because I think it's set up as a four or five game campaign so we'd come up we'd play like two or three games and then they would come up the following weekend and we play the other two or three games and that was short enough where we could do that and we enjoyed you know playing those games back to back to back but i could never say okay come on up and let's play gloomhaven i'm picking on gloomhaven for two reasons <laughs> one it is the longest that i can think of and two it's one that everyone knows so when i say gloomhaven i'm using that as an example for all of the big box long campaign games. Just want to be clear there. And then when we talk about Pandemic Legacy, that's specifically the example for the other side. Yes. But, but they are they are just stand-ins for a whole group of kinds of games. Yeah. There is like the shorter yeah. campaign yeah. versus the longer campaign. Yep. Now Arcadia Quest, um, to start adding some more into the mix here. <laughs> this is a five game campaign. And that is much, much easier to bite off. Like we can do that, right? We just play five games. Each one takes about an hour to two hours, depending on the number of players. And if you're really invested in that, you can do that in two long days. Again, maybe not during a pandemic, but it, it's something that we could do. And we had fun hanging out. We would, you know, between games, might take a little break or something, grab some food. Um, for something like Bloodborne, I think that also falls into that situation where it's like, okay, we're going to play three games in a row. And that one... I don't know because I haven't actually paid past the first game, but I hear apparently that one gets hard. Um, so it's just be like, all right, we're going to play three games in a row and it's a co-op and we lost in the third scenario. So do we start again or, you know, what do you want to do there? Um, I want to get to a couple questions in chat real quick though. Um, William asks is if, Arcadia, if Arcadia Quest is replayable. 100% yes. Um, it's branching lightly but more or less it's a versus game not a co-op game so you're just setting up scenarios and you're 
most it's just an excuse to beat on each other so it's very p- replayable but that reminds me of something like um zombicide pick your flavor doesn't matter this is also a scenario based but it's not campaign based and zombicide is very very replayable because you can play the same scenario over and over and over again it's one of those games where they have been adding campaign modes to the last couple but i've been a completely ignoring them because i'm like eh, i don't don't actually, that's not why I want Zombicide. It's not for the campaign, right? So it's, I, I think that it's this continuing storyline games. Now, but Darren brings up a really good question. And Fletcher, I'm going to throw this one to you. How is playing Gloomhaven different than playing a role-playing game campaign? How is it different? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we complain that, you know, you have, there's a lot of commitment, right, to play Gloomhaven. Um, and yet we're still playing a role-playing game every week. Like, like what's the major, why oh, is that possible? I see, what, I see what you're asking. Well, so, I mean, it's different in obviously a few, few ways. And like one is that in a traditional role-playing, like tabletop, you know, D&D or whatever, you, you would have some kind of, um, you know, dungeon master, uh, that is running the game in, in obviously like a game like Loomhaven. Uh, it runs itself. There's scenarios that you choose from and there's, you know, branching storylines and paths that you're like, okay, we want to do like scenario 74 next or scenario 12 next or whatever. There's no DM. Uh, so it puts a little bit more work on you. And then two, the setup is insane um, for a game like Gloomhaven. Uh, while the setup for, uh, at least from the player's point of view, uh, maybe not so much the DM, but from the player's <laughs> point of view, the setup is uh, pretty simple. Um, and it can also be pretty simple from the DM's point of view uh, if if you're not doing like a grid-based combat system. If you're doing more theater of the mind combat, um, it can be you, you can save a bunch of time that way too. Um, yeah, but there is a lot of setup and teardown. Yeah, I would say that that's probably the main piece is when you're playing a board game of the, of any of these campaign type games, there are the, each session is still a setup and teardown. You're still setting up a board game. You're still tearing down that board game at the end. And that takes a lot of time. It just, I think it shifts the time of setup and teardown, though, because in an RPG, the DM or GM, whatever system you're playing in, they're doing so much prep work outside of the game that they're, it's like you've designated one person to do all of the setup and teardown for you. It's not like it goes away. It just gets shifted. So, you know, sure. we all don't have to sit and do this. It just gets put on one person. And when I was doing Gloomhaven, I was that person. I set everything up. I tore it all down. I was I ran the game. I was doing all of that. The, but there's still different when, say, we set up a session at Gloomhaven. And it takes us two hours to play it because we're playing four players. At the end of that, we decide, do we want to commit to another session? And all of us know we're committing to another two hours. It is very easy to say, I don't know. Whereas if I'm playing a role-playing game and we play for two hours and we're, we just finished a particular combat or something, it's easy to say, you guys good for another hour? Yes, because it's a fuzzy time frame that we can end whenever we want mm-hmm. to. Which Now, right. there are some board games that do this. Things like um, you know, Seven Wonders. Or Seventh Continent, sorry. Seventh Continent <laughs> is a very much pack it up whenever you want type of game. Like they advertise that as a thing. And you, you kind of have to, especially in that first game, since that first one takes about a dozen hours to play. You actually run into the problem there. The The other side of that is 
if there's no firm end, we have to cut ourselves off at some point. You can lead into this. It's almost like the autoplay on Netflix. Like, you have to stop it at some point <laughs> because yeah. if you don't set a time frame for it, you get sucked into this, like, amorphous, like, and now we live here moment. Yeah, which is great, honestly, if you get sucked into a game and, you know, hours go by and you realize, what 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 just happened? <laughs> it's it's a compelling it's a, game it's and it's a not a terrible way. <laughs> yeah, um, but I can, I do this, you see this in a lot, like, you know, I am more likely to play Twilight Imperium for 8 to 12 hours than I am to pull out any of these major campaign games. Because I know at the end of that 12 hours, I'm going to have a wrapped up game. Where with the campaign games, maybe I've just been burned too many times where I'm like, all right, we started them and now it's never going to finish. We're in the mm-hmm. middle of Pandemic Legacy Season 2. We're in the middle of Betrayal Legacy. Um, there was a couple others that I've been able to start. I'm actually in the middle of a, a Seventh Continent game from two years ago. You know, <laughs> it's like these games get set up, they get started, they get put on the back burner for just a minute too long, and then they get forgotten about. And yes, it's easy to blame the pandemic on this, but it's not like pandemic season two. That wasn't the pandemic. That was just we. That was thrifted. us moving. That was being further yeah. apart. Cause really like pandemic season one hit us like just at the perfect moment of we were all still living close together. We didn't have kids. There wasn't anything stopping us from getting together multiple times a week, even, you know, to get that done. And it was so much fun and it was so great. And, you know, we jumped into season two and they're just, we had all moved further apart. You know, it got it, so much harder. We started having kids. Yeah. And it yeah. also wasn't as compelling it's a story. True. Right? So no matter what, season one was a high. Like, everyone's like, season one's amazing. Season two could never, ever live up to that. And it just didn't cross that barrier of being good enough to say, okay, let's keep doing this. And that's really what I'm getting at, I think, when I'm talking about these longer games, is... Are they so? There's a few Awaken Realm games that um, have been getting flack. You know, it's love them or hate them, apparently. But uh, talking about Etherfields for just a moment, Etherfields is a game where you're trying to figure out what's going on in this dream world, right? You're walking around, there's a bunch of things going on, but essentially, there's different uh, dreams that you're going into and you're trying to figure out what's happening there. And most people agree that the story is compelling. It's it's fun to try to figure things out, uh, but the gameplay is not. The gameplay can get repetitive, which is fine. A repetitive gameplay works just fine. Like Pandemic Legacy, Pandemic is not a great game for me. Like, I understand a lot of people really love it, which is why I say it's for me. I can handle that gameplay for, you know, 12 to 16 sessions. What if I had to play it 100 times? And the story just could not sustain that, right? So that's where... I think we can get a little too content heavy and our gameplay doesn't live up to it. Where Gloomhaven has the exact same pro- or exact opposite problem. The gameplay lives up to it. Absolutely mm-hmm. lives up to it. Like you're playing Gloomhaven because the gameplay is awesome. The character development is awesome. It's not because of the story is super compelling. You you just want to, you know, slay your next demon so you can complete your life goal and unlock the next character and see what he can do, right? So I just I feel like there's this balancing act that we're still trying to figure out as an industry. 
and I'm not seeing a lot of success. I do like the more Bloodborne approach where you're doing smaller campaigns. And Solomon Kane's sort of the same thing. It comes, I think there's 11 campaigns, seven or 11, something like that. Um, and each campaign is multiple chapters and each chapter plays in about 20 minutes. So you can play an entire campaign in like four or five hours. And I'm like, okay, this is compelling to me. If the gameplay lives up to it, I can actually see myself wanting to play through these. And I'm excited to try it out. I still have to say, okay, which one is the very smallest one so I can have the least amount of time commitment invested in this? I also think something that I really enjoyed about Pandemic Legacy Season 1 that I'm not (sighs) sure happens as much with these other longer games is that the the game itself, the mechanisms, the board, the look and feel, the pieces change throughout the story. If it's just the same gameplay, but the story progresses, I don't find myself as drawn into that as you are building the game as you play. And maybe, you know, if these longer campaigns really do build a game and add pieces and give it a very different tactile feel to the beginning and the end, it could draw me through these long campaigns. But I feel like that bit of it has almost been lost a little bit, that these big campaigns, it's like, you play the game this way, but you further the story each time you play. And I I don't find that as fun or as compelling as the the choices that I make matter, not just in a branching story. I'm not just going to unlock a different ending, but that the choices I'm making are going to change how the last game will be played, that the choices I make are going to bring something about to happen. I think that's a good point for sure. When you're changing the gameplay with these long campaigns, it keeps it fresh. Mm hmm. And that's probably what Gloomhaven does more than anything. Like, every character feels like you're playing in a new way. Something very different. Yep. And that's why unlocking those characters keeps you going. Because it's like, I can't wait to open up that next box. I don't know what that symbol is, but I want (laughs) to open it. I want to know. When you're playing the same game over and over and over, I think the stories. You're right. The story has to do a lot of work there. To keep mm-hmm. you wanting to play through it. Um, and I don't actually care. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, branching story versus linear story. I actually think more often than not, a linear story is more interesting because it can be told better. Now, I'm not saying that it's linear, like no matter what you do, it's always going to be the same thing. But the story, like Pandemic Legacy has a linear story. Mm-hmm. There, it's just, you know, what bumps are you hitting? What obstacles do you need to overcome as you make your choices? And depending on the choices, it's going to be easier or harder. But like when you have like these branching storylines, like Gloomhaven has a very branching storyline. I think that is probably to a detriment of the game because the story itself is not as compelling. I think in some ways, the shorter the game, the better a branching storyline is because then you can go and try to like unlock the different endings. If you have a resettable game that you can try to get through like, oh, I want to see the different ways I could play this. That is much more compelling to me than something that is going to branch out like Gloomhaven where these branching storylines, I'm never going to go back and choose a different path. It's just too much. Like 
that just seems like crazy to me to restart Gloomhaven. And I'm sure there are people out there who are like, of course you restart Gloomhaven. That's my favorite. It's great. I love it. You know, they, they've they made the all these people. things to do that. <laughs> but yeah, they're crazy people. I don't get it. But if you're pay- if you only have to play 10 games in a row to unlock the one ending and then you go and play 10 games again, you know, we've talked about revisiting Pandemic Legacy Season 1. It was really fun. We've forgotten a lot of the content that like was amazing about it. And it might be fun to revisit it. And imagine if there was a branching storyline that this time we played it, it could be a little bit different. Maybe not completely different because you don't want to lose the fun part of it, but different enough that it makes it more replayable faster. Yep. So I think, and I, and I've been meaning to bring this up in a couple episodes, but I, I put it on my notes here. So now I'm going to actually bring it up. <laughs> Arkham Horror, the card game. I think this finds a lot of sweet spots for these, these campaigns and has mechanics and has compelling story in a small package. And I like, as far as I can tell, um, based on, you know, propaganda from FFG and hearing from the designers <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Arkham Horror, the card game is still growing an audience. It sells better every month, which is crazy for a game that's been out for like five or six years now. But the way that this game works is it's set up as eight scenario campaigns. And at the beginning of the first scenario, you're going to create a character with, you know, basically deck construction. As you go through that ca- that campaign, you're going to get items and allies and different, you know, maybe weaknesses put into your deck from what happens in the campaign. You're going to get experience and be able to upgrade your deck. And that mechan- those mechanisms are very compelling, along with a story that is linear, but has so many possible outcomes in any one scenario that each thing will feed in and play on the next and play on the next and play on the next. To me, if I, and maybe this is the thing, I'm like, I just found the game I like, so I don't, why am I keep buying more games? Just keep playing the game I actually like to play. Because if I want to spend... I can play a two-player game. It takes about, Sydney and I play slow, so like two hours a game. If I want to spend 16 hours on a campaign game, we're going to go play Arkham Horror the Card Game because we love it and we know we do. And I have two campaigns that I haven't played yet. And why open up a new game? Am I getting to be Cult of the Old? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> Join us. It happens to everyone. Mm. Um, thing about Arkham Horror the Living Card Game is I'm over here looking at the website. Hold on, let me do some math. To get into this game now. And I know that you... It cost you $60. $60 to just pick up, like, the basic stuff. But if you want to get everything that exists out there, let's see. Um, It appears to be... There are... Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) It's Product a lot. Line. And the reason for it... 64 as- times. Um, it's around $1,000. It's got to be probably close to $1,500. Um, and that's... It's- none of this is... Not all of this is available right now. Yeah. I would say that's, that sounds a little high, but maybe. Um, but the thing is, you don't have to spend that to get into this game. Yeah. And that's the reason why people really like this game. Nobody should spend $1,500 on Arkham Horror the Card Game. Nobody should. That's not how this game works. You buy the starter box, and honestly, 
you buy two of the starter boxes because that's just the way this model was when it first started. And that's where that original $60 comes in. Um, and actually, you don't even need to do that. Buy the starter box. Play through the, the three campaign, three scenario campaign in the box. If you like the mechanics, great. Buy another starter box and pick a campaign. Carcosa is probably the best one there is out there. That's it. You're going to get enough player cards in any campaign you buy to be able to build your decks. You don't need all the player cards. You don't need all the scenarios. You buy them when you want to play them. Um, there's a bunch of standalone scenarios that you could get, but you only get them when you want them. And I think that that's an interesting way of just providing content. Play it if you're having fun. Buy more content. Don't go all in until you've played the game. <laughs> until you know it's something that you enjoy. That's yeah. fair, because nobody pays $1,500 at once to play this game. But right. there are many people and who will actually eventually pay that because you just you spend $15 at a time and that's super easy to get you sucked on in but there's two things that happen with that trust me because I'm in this ecosystem (laughs) they release every month every month they release something new and it's usually a scenario pack and so over you get your big box scenario and then over the next six months you'll get the rest of the scenario packs um your big box one has your you know overall story starting there's two scenarios in it and while you're going through that every month a new one comes out and you go and you go and you play it and you can it's exciting to have that new pack and it's exciting to sit down and play it again now i have got to the point where i won't start a campaign until i have all of them because once i start i want to keep playing them because it's that compelling but it is I would never, ever, ever in a billion years say, hey, go out and buy everything. Like, there's just, that's crazy. You'd be, again, it goes right back to what we're talking about today. It would be nothing but overwhelming. Where do I even begin? Yeah. How do I create a deck? I have 500 cards. What am I, how do I make a deck for that? You don't. Just buy the base box, make the base deck, play through it, get the feel for it. And if you get the bug, keep buying more packs. But play them as you buy them. Buy them in entire campaigns. That's my one recommendation. But play them as you buy them. And don't go... And I own two copies of everything for this game. Don't I be I did Chris. not spend 3000 <laughs> Yeah, I did not spend $3,000 yeah. all at one time. I spend $24 a month. That's what I spend on this game. And that is a reasonable investment for something that I enjoy so very much. It's just now there's a back catalog that if you want to catch up with me... You need to, but you don't. You don't need to catch up with me. In fact, I have a second copy of every single scenario because I only need one of the scenarios. I buy two packs so that I can have uh, two full play sets for creating decks so that Sydney and I can make any deck we want and not have to worry about overlapping cards. But um, it, that's how my brain works. But yeah, uh, and, and maybe that's the problem. Like The Kickstarter, the way that model works is they just have to make it all at one time. And if they don't make it all at one time, it never happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely see that, that these Kickstarter games, you have just your, this is my chance to get my story out there. I'm going to make it all at once. And I also think there is something to draw people to your Kickstarter page. Over a hundred hours of content, so replayable. You know, there's these catchphrases that when you see these keywords, you want to get in on this game. But I don't know 
if these keywords are actually something that in the long run people are enjoying. Are we going to see a shift away from this? So much content on the Kickstarters. Like, ah, is this the new version of like <laughs> over a hundred minis? Is, is this just, is content the new stretch goal? This is how we get you. Yeah. And the problem is like Cthulhu Death May Die. Awesome game. I cannot wait for more content if it ever happens. It may never happen. Fortunately, I got everything at the Kickstarter. So I have all the content. I played through all the content. I want to play through more content. But I didn't know. I did not know at that time that I was going to like this game so much. And for you a lot of these Kickstarters. You wanted that huge figure. I did want the huge figure. So I'm like, if I'm going to get the huge <laughs> figure, I might as well get everything. Plus, it was Eric Lang and Rob Davio. So there was it was basically riskless. But the thing is, most of these games aren't riskless. Um, most of these games are a big risk. And there are games, you know, we joke about the $1,500. King to Death Monster, their average pledge was $1,500. And that wasn't even the everything pledge. That was just the average oh pledge. And I, I'm like... I'm not doing that. I just can't do that. But now there are people who's in the same boat as me, and they're like, oh, man, if only I would have got it back then, right? Like, you just can't be asked to make that kind of upfront investment. But at the same time, these games wouldn't get made if the publishers couldn't get people to make that upfront investment. (sighs) I don't know if I've talked myself into anything besides adding more games to the contest list. Um, <laughs> I need to get rid of more games. <laughs> so I think it's funny because the thing that started this all was Solomon Kane, right? And you were like, oh, yes. I didn't go all in on this. There was only one pledge level. One pledge so level, 110. And then you could add another oh. for another 190. You could add another like 11 campaigns. That's crazy. So, and there's even a thing to upgrade it, spend $300 and then you can have all of the content. And I'm like, no. I'm not if if I was a Solomon Kane fan, which I am not. I barely know he exists, and mostly because of the cam- the Kickstarter campaign, I probably would have said, "Okay, it's worth the risk." But I not, and I will say this is the first time I have zero FOMO. I open the box, <laughs> I am compelled. I like the game looks interesting. I do want to play it, but I have absolutely there's nothing in me whatsoever that seems to think that oh, if only I had more content, then I would play this game more. No. If I get through one of those campaigns, I will be excited. If I get through all of them, I'd be like, I got way more than my money's worth. I am fine putting this game away and going and staring at Tainted Grail some more and seeing what I can do with that. Which I really do need to start because that the game doesn't look as complicated as I thought it would. And I want to play that too. And I want to play Bloodborne too. I scrolled down <sighs> and found it. It's five additional boxes. That's crazy. Five additional boxes and a book and another small thing. I don't even know. That's crazy. It's too much content. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm with you, but I've always been with you on that. Or I've always been in that stance. I feel like you've joined me. I. There are some games where I like having content as a collector. Arcadia Quest, I love all of the different heroes. Even though I'm never going to play them, I just love having all of the heroes. It's not for gameplay. It's just for the collector aspect. I'm never going to turn you to my side of minis for minis' sake is silly. And we don't need this many minis. I accept that. I'm never going to change your mind. (laughs) 
I am closer. I honestly, I didn't upgrade the minis in um, Dwellings of Ever Elder Vale. I think that's the one. <laughs> Damn, Everdell and Elder Vale. And anyway, um, I I chose to not do it, and then I got this giant box with a bunch of empty spaces for these miniatures. <laughs> the universe hates me. That's, that's basically what it comes down to. There's nothing. I just I will always lose. Uh, but yeah, I'm. We're going to talk a little bit. So post-credits, um, we didn't play 5th edition or D&D this week because pneumonia. Um, and Sydney was out of town. But we're going to talk a little bit about a game that Kitty and I have been talking back and forth on related to this subject, too. Because I want to ask Kitty something about this game that we're talking about. Um, and length is is exactly that. But... <laughs> Before we go, let's see. Um, I think I have a few notes here. Quantity versus quality. Where are we at at that? I would much rather have a small amount of quality content than a large amount of content for the content's sake. Mm-hmm. I think most everyone will agree with that. All I right. think it's always just the the risk, though, of, well, I know I'm getting a lot, so that's something. But if I'm getting something short, I don't know if I'm overpaying or if I'm paying for quality. Right. It's a tricky you, you choice. Just don't you know. need to follow yep. reviews, trusted people, you know. Yep. And not know until, until a year after you pay for it, usually for <laughs> Kickstarter. Um, Wait do, for the retail edition. Yeah. Do our scenarios need to be branching or are linear okay? Fletcher. I mean, linear is fine. There's no problem with it. It depends on the, on the game, kind of. But, like, I think it's just, like, quality again, right? Like, and what kind of a game you're expecting as a player if if they ha- if the setup is like a big sprawling rpg with you know dozens of different like storylines and endings and stuff like that but it actually turns out that it's linear like all those decisions while may add flavor to the story you still end up in the same spot that can kind of be disappointing but i, I would say like it, it doesn't matter it's just based on the what the player is expecting what the game type is that you create kitty um do you need a branching storyline or is do you prefer a linear storyline? I think I kind of covered this earlier. If it's going to be branching, I want to be able to play it more than once without getting burnt out. If it's too big a storyline, I don't care that it's branching. The The longer the storyline, the more focused I want it to be. I, I think I'm in the linear side personally. I think the story can be told better. If I'm playing for the story, I want a linear story because it can be told better. That doesn't mean I don't want to be able to affect the story. I just don't care. The more branching you have, the more generic it becomes and the less compelling it becomes. Um, is there a scenario where uh, this one's kind of a gimme? Is there a scenario where things are too? Actually, maybe this isn't. Is there a scenario where the content of a game is too short? There's just not enough there. And the um. reason I say that this is a potentially interesting question is because almost every escape room game is a very short experience, a short one and done play. And they've become a very successful subgenre in the industry, but and this may lead to the whole I mean, fact it's like it's compelling or not. I guess I guess it's you know it's definitely possible, but then you just feel like you just got ripped off. Right. I was gonna say you want to feel like you get your money's worth that that it can feel too short for what you paid, but if it wasn't very expensive, then short is fine as long as it's good. Yeah. All right. So corollary, is it possible? That content is just, there's just too long. And we've talked a lot about this, but just 
summing it up, I don't know that we actually have an answer for it. Um, <laughs> Fletcher, is, is well, it I mean, possible that there's just too much content in any given box that you might buy? I mean, is it possible? Uh, sure. I, I assume it's possible that there is too much content eventually. But, but how would that be in your mind? What What would that mean? I mean, to me, it would just be like, I don't know. If they rate the game, it's like, this has 700 hours of gameplay. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no, that seems like something I don't want to invest myself in. This is less of, this becomes like a lifestyle game or just a way of life. Um, and that's not something that I'm interested in. Kitty? I think anything over 50 hours of content is too much for me. If I have to play it more than an hour a week and like, you can break that up how you want to. Right. Too much for me. I think I'm probably more with you on that. I think that there is a maximum amount where even if the gameplay, and again, is it too long? That's assuming that the gameplay is amazing. I think Gloomhaven is too long. I love Gloomhaven. Loved past tense. I haven't played it in forever. But I will never go back and play it again. Ever. Which means I didn't even get through a fraction of the content. And it overstayed... It's welcome. Even though it's an amazing game, it is too long. The game would have been better with half the story or half the scenarios. And I'm not even to say I'm more compelling story, just half the scenarios. So I could feel like I finished it, which Mm -hmm. means then I can go to Frosthaven and feel like, hey, I can start Frosthaven and I'm not cheating on Gloomhaven for not (laughs) ever finishing it. I mean, half the reason I haven't started Jaws of the Lion is because I never finished Gloomhaven because, and I never will. And it just feels like, I just have this unfinished thing out there. I think it can be too long and I think it can be a detriment. Um, I'm curious what other people think. Now, the other one I'm thinking here is scenario length. Um, even though there's a lot of content, would you rather say there's, say we're at our maximum of 40 hours of compelling content? Would you rather see that in 10 sessions of four hours each or 40 sessions of one hour each? Uh, I would go for the one hour. Hmm. What was it? What were my numbers? Give me my numbers again. <laughs> 40, 40 one, one hour, hour sessions, sessions or four hour sessions? Or four hour sessions. Four 10 hour sessions. I feel like it needs to be two hours. Two hours is well, like. That's, that that, that is exactly why I did not make that as an option. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't what I'm saying is, the, would you, I like the Would medium. you rather have. All right. Let me ask you a question without the numbers. Would you have like to have more frequent but shorter sessions or less frequent but longer sessions? More frequent, but shorter, as long as the setup and teardown time was not insane. Okay. Yeah. And I think that I'm probably on that same boat, too, is I like the idea. The more easy it is to sneak in another session, the better. So I can get three sessions in because we have a, a day where versus, okay, we can do one. And then for the next hour, let's just watch Bluey, which is still fine, but still. Speaking of Bluey, you want to come to the every the end of every game and be like, again, again. Exactly. (laughs) If you get that feeling, it did it right, no matter what it looks like. All right. I I 100% agree. I can't wait to play the next one. If you have that feeling, then you're doing your campaign game right. And I don't think the content length matters at that point. If you're just like, oh, I want to play again. I want to play again. Okay. Um, I don't know if this helped anyone. It might have helped (laughs) me a little bit. I think I might actually start playing one of these games and being like just you know suck it up treat it like arkham horror 
I would never tell everyone, anyone to buy $1,500 in Arkham Horror. Just say, start at the beginning and play. If you like it, keep playing. And I think that that's what I need to, how I need to approach these campaign games of crazy length is just open up the base game and play. If it's compelling, play the next one, then play the next one. And if I run out of content before I'm done, I'm a winner because the game was successfully pulled me through the whole thing. So, And if it didn't, put it on the list for the giveaway. Exactly. Yeah. Someone will be a winner. That's that's how this is going to work. <laughs> All right. Take us out. And then we will talk about the game length in the game that Kitty and I have been shooting around. And maybe we'll talk about actually how to design this. <laughs> All right. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in our show notes, too. Comments or questions, email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons, Adam Harrison, Miles Thunder from Down Under Clark, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Ann Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keefe, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Sully, Andrew Fayesh, Kimal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Sahara Wentworth, Lightning Steve, Kim Con- Jim Conrad, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, and Ronald Roy. And thank you to anyone who's ever been a patron. Your support means the world to us, past, present, and future. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, so Kitty came to me with a game idea last week, week before, mm-hmm. and we started talking about it and ended up with a different game, which I'm going to summarize <laughs> here real quick. Um, I bring this up because this is very different than the game that Kitty was originally describing, but my question is valid to the topic of the day. So the game, as we have have it here, is you're on a ship, you're a lead ship to a colony ship, you're going to go to... Pl- to basically colonize a planet. You're the first, what's that called? The first team, the rival team, the scout. set the supply scout. It basically, yeah, you're, you're setting up camp so that when the colonists get there, they're not starting from scratch. In your approach to the planet, something happens, your ship gets torn up, starts falling apart, you crash land, and now you have to survive. You have to figure out what's going on. Um, there's something on the planet that caused you to crash land you there's something go there's think lost in space but not lost in space <laughs> Wait, lost, what colon in space <laughs> <laughs> like the tv show lost if the island was a planet in space there you go yeah i um, get it no the tv show lost in space, in space. yeah yeah lost in space <laughs> so so there's something happening there's some kind of mystery going on and you're going to try you're going to be figuring this out we don't care about the gameplay mechanics or anything like that there's a a lot of ways to approach it more or less this is going to be a campaign story game my question is how many game sessions 
do we want to have people play to get the full experience of the story? Do we want to go the pandemic legacy route where you're going to play 12 to 20 games, depending on how well you do? Or do we want to go the Gloomhaven route where there are many different scenarios that can pop up and you will have certain ones open to you depending on what options you've unlocked in previous scenarios? Or do you want something completely different and why? So, And the reason I'm asking this to Kitty is because this storyline stemmed from her original story thought and is in no way similar to that anymore, but still stemmed <laughs> from your original seed of an idea. So what are your thoughts? And so, Fletcher, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm asking Kitty first. So my original question that I came to you with was, I have this vague idea and do I want to make it a story campaign game? And my thought was always it would be more of the pandemic legacy. It would have a finite number of ends you can get to and the choices you make will lead you to a very tightly grouped, almost linear, do you succeed or fail kind of storyline in a 10 to 20 range of gameplay. All right. Fletcher, this, what I just described to you was on the back of the box. You open it, (laughs) you look, you look at the box, the cover art's great. It's this dark planet with such potential, but there's this shadow in the background. It could be anything. What is that? I'm compelled. How many (laughs) sessions do you want to play of this game? Uh, Like Kitty said, uh, 10 to to 20-ish range. Sounds good. So if I put on the box 30 hours of content, would that change your view of the game? No. Depends on the price tag. (laughs) Now, And now with my marketing hat, I wouldn't put any, I, I wouldn't put an hour on there because I think mm-hmm. some people look right. at 30 hours. You would hours. say like, you'd yeah. say like play anywhere from yeah. 10 Full to 20 story scenarios or, or something like that. Exactly. You know, and essentially I think because people will look at it and be like, oh, eh, but I, when I play all the games that I've played, all these story games, the ones that I remember most are the ones that are average around a dozen scenarios to get you to where you want to go. Those are the ones that I remember because those stories are tight and you can do a lot in that tight time frame. And it doesn't feel like you are having 18 seasons of filler just to get to the end of what the heck's going on. They're also the ones you yeah, finish. I agree. I think that yes, it's much better to have a game that you play start to finish or a show that you watch start to finish. Something that had this like, this is how long it was going to be. You like if you look right. at Harry Potter versus Game of Thrones. Harry Potter, yep. it's seven books. It's done. Game of Thrones is, I don't know, maybe seven books if he ever feels like finishing it. I don't know. Oh, maybe the story's too long. Now we're gonna get, I don't know, eight to twelve books. Who even knows? I want the finished thing. I want the the tight I do it for real, start to finish. This is the story. I can handle it. Not the, I had to buy a Kindle because I was hurting myself carrying these books around in my backpack kind of a story. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> to use like the TV kind of analogy, I like uh, I like TV shows that always kind of like push the story forward in some way or another, as opposed to adding a ton of filler episodes in where it's like the story doesn't really progress. It's kind of like 
I don't know. They need to pad out the yeah. season or something like that. Like, no, I want the sto- I want Netflix, the story to progress in 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 some way. Yeah, the ten episode miniseries in Netflix and those bingeable things, like those, are compelling. Every single episode feels like yeah. something important happened. You would much rather be the show that you watch all ten episodes and go, "Oh my gosh, when's the next season coming?" As opposed to the show that has like ten seasons of like. 40 episodes and you get halfway through season four and you're like days of our lives i can't (laughs) all right so question just give me band of brothers um question to our audience in general should we make this game and (laughs) i'm just i like i said i think we have some pretty cool ideas and (laughs) if if we're just biting off a you know 10 to 20 scenario type of game with story i think this is something we could actually accomplish because we're not trying to design a world we're trying to design a story and trying to make a compelling way of telling that story so we're getting blank stares all right (laughs) yeah people are like yeah 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 whatever you guys have talked about this before all right and on that note that is a show for this week um uh next week we'll have another show and then the following week we will draw another winner for our 2021 we'll have yet another show (laughs) Yet another show. It'll probably just be filler. Not every episode's really important. Um, But some of them have main storyline aspects. Some of them don't. Um, I don't think we've had a main storyline aspect in a while. So on that, bye, everyone.